welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hi, Scott. How's it going this week? It's going great. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, waves are small, but other than that, life's good. Yeah, yeah, tough life when waves are small. Mm -hmm. Had to drive all the way to Oceanside. Man. Yeah, out of the bubble. I'm very sorry. Uh, but hey, let's continue in our, our um, you know, for this time of year, employee benefits are something that's going to come up more and more with people at work. Yep. So last week we spoke about um, health insurance benefits uh, inside of open enrollment. Today, uh, it's not necessarily going to show up all in open enrollment, but we're going to talk through some of the benefits that we see that you want to be optimizing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, we'll jump right into it, but, but things like stock investments you know as you're doing your investing for retirement a big place that you're going to do that is through options offered by your employer yep so we're going to talk like 401k today employee stock purchase plan uh and then maybe we'll touch on uh stock compensation as well if you have restricted stock units or incentive stock options non-qualified stock options maybe even a supplemental deferred compensation plan mm -hmm. very very fancy way of saying you're an executive and can defer income yep um so yeah, where do you want to start? Let's start with 401ks because I think that's something that uh, many people have heard of. And some of these we've done full-on episodes on, so we won't go into the details, but we'll point you into the direction where you can learn more about some of these things. But with a 401k, this is going to be thought of as something that it's a benefit that you can use to save for retirement. And as you're thinking about your 401k, um, again, not necessarily limited to open enrollment. You can really do some of these things all throughout the year. But what are some of the things I should think about when I'm looking at my 401k? How do I, what do I look for as I'm looking at this? Yeah, so I'm actually going to say we should look at two things. So, so, and then kind of the idea here, right, is, okay, so that open enrollment email came out about, hey, you can change your, your stuff in the coming year. Well, now is a great time to also look at a couple things. Um, one is just go look at the contribution amount that you're making to your 401k. Yep. Uh, the first place I would go look at that is actually, you can see it online through your 401k provider, but an easy place to go look at it is on your pay stub. Mm -hmm. So on your most recent pay stub, what amount are you putting away per pay period, and will you hit the percentage or the dollar amount that you want to put away for the year Right. between now and then? Because you'll see how many pay periods you have left, mm -hmm. and that way you can always adjust it. right? If you, if you know you could be saving more and you have the ability to, well, what a wonderful time to go do that. If you're saving, you know, we've talked before, now that you know what you're saving, you can go look at, well, am I saving pre-tax? Am I saving to Roth? So, you know, pre-tax just means we're reducing our taxable income. Yep. Um, Roth means we're paying after, putting after-tax money in and it gets to grow tax-free forever. Um, depending on what tax bracket you're in, we've, we've chatted about that before on the podcast of to Roth or not to Roth, I yep. think. Yep, yep. Um, but just go look at what are you saving and, and is it the right amount for you and would you like to increase that now? Another thing that could come up is if this time of year you're getting those um, pay increases. Yeah. What an amazing time to go in and just preset the pay increases yeah. to the 401k. Yep. You're not maxing it out yet. 
and you get a 4% raise, put 2% in your 401k, you didn't even know it was there. You don't know that it's there and you still get a little raise and it's 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 easier to do it that way than to be used to a certain amount going in or coming into your paycheck and having that be reduced because you bump up your, your contribution amount. So mm-hmm. absolutely. And I think with the 401k, this is one of those things that does it, as with everything, it fits into the big picture of how much should you put into your 401k? Well, that's going to depend upon your plan and what you're investing and saving for. But we've kind of talked about a general rule of thumb of if you can get 10% into retirement investments somewhere, whether it's your 401k or IRAs or other investments, that's a good starting point. Many times it needs to be a little bit more, but if you're doing at least 10%, um, many times you're going to be at least be on the right track with that. Absolutely. You know, the other thing I look at when you're looking at your 401ks, do you actually know what your asset allocation is? Yeah. Right? You may not. What is an asset allocation? What is an asset allocation? It means how much of my money am I putting in the stock market? How much am I putting in the bond market? Um, and most plans now have a qualified, kind of a qualified, it's, I think it's called QDAC is actually what it's called. Uh, for the, the you, it's kind of your pre-selected thing that the money goes into. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a lot of money, you could easily go put it in maybe say a, a target date fund or something like that, kind of a set it and forget it kind of fund where it's going to say, hey James, you're going to be, James just turned 30, so James has, I'm just going to say 35 years left to retirement, so what's that make you, 2055? Mm-hmm. Something around there. Yeah, so, so basically his 2055 fund, he's going to go put money in that fund, and every year it'll just kind of change the allocation as he gets older, and it just makes it so he doesn't have to worry about it. Are you in one of those, or are you just fully invested in cash, or are you fully invested in company stock because it's a really old plan and that's what they do? Go look and see how you're actually invested, because how you're invested will matter in whether or not you reach the goals you want to aim for. Yeah, and generally speaking, when you're younger and if you want to be focused more on focus more on growth, you're going to be more invested into stocks. The closer you get to retirement and the closer you get to maybe needing to spend that money or live on that money, the more you're going to be a little bit more conservative, and that's typically investing in things like bonds. And then, as Scott just mentioned, along that spectrum, you start to gradually shift from stocks to bonds. Um, and that's where a target date fund can be helpful, is if you don't want to have to manage this and you just want to put your money somewhere and know that it's generally speaking, maybe somewhat cookie cutter, but it's going to do the general right thing for you, that's a great place to start. But then you also have the option of being very intentional about which which funds you choose to invest in. And you can design your own portfolio to be as aggressive or conservative or anywhere in between as you would like. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think of target date funds like store-bought salsa, mm-hmm. right? Versus with the individual funds inside of that um, 401k lineup, you might be able to make your own salsa. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want a little spicier. Yeah, explain yeah. that a little more. So, so store-bought salsa, kind of mild. It's gonna get the job done. Yeah, store-bought salsa is built for everyone. Built for everyone. <laughs> but with the with your own salsa, you might want you might want to go more nuanced because maybe you have a better mm. plan. Maybe you work with an advisor. On Got it. You have your own ideas on it. I like it. I like making my own salsa. Yeah. No. Awesome. So that's a four hundred one k. Just generally speaking, the, the first, you always want to make sure that you're at least putting up enough in to take advantage of the employer match. So if your employer is gonna match you. They might match 3% or 4% of the contributions that you put in. There's there's really not many reasons you wouldn't at least want to take advantage of that. But then the max that you can put into your 401k, if you're under 50, is 19500 for 2020. And if you're 50 or older, it is 26000 So just keep those numbers in mind. But 401k, awesome benefit. Make sure you're invested the right way and make sure that you're putting the right amount into it. Yep. Okay, so from there, why don't we move on to um, employee stock purchase plans. Awesome. Let's do it. And we talked more 
in depth on these in episode number 25 if you have this option and you want to learn a lot more about it. But in general, it's a way to purchase your company's stock at a discount. So you elect through payroll deferral to put a specific amount or percentage of your paycheck into your company's stock. And the nice thing about it is you're typically making those purchases over the course of about six months. And your company is going to say, okay, if I'm investing this, you're going to say, James, we're going to look at our stock price or the company's stock price on two dates, the date that this benefit began and the date that it ended. So or the, the, the window ended, usually six months later. And whichever date the stock price was lower on, that's the date, that's the price that you get to purchase the stock. And typically there's a 5 to 15% discount off of that price. So it's a way to buy your company's stock at a guaranteed discounted price. Uh, and it, it can really turn into, it's really one of the only short-term guaranteed return on investments you're going to get, which is why we like it. Could, could you have explained that overall? You know, the max, I think, is about $25,000 a year that you can put away or up to some percentage of your income. And then as um, James was explaining, you know, depending on how your company stock plan is written, some will have, like, I was looking at one the other day, it only had a 5% discount. It's not, not a very big discount. Um, the, ma- the typical max is 15, and then the max will be based on, it could be beginning of period, could be end of period, could be an average bound. Could, there's so many different ways for them to calculate how they're going to do that for you. But the key is, if, if you do that and do it continually, you can and, and you can just go sell shares the moment you can receive them, you can really just kind of play a game of picking up extra cash throughout the year. Yeah. Yeah, if you're saving for, I don't know, say a home purchase in three years, and maybe you don't want to invest in the stock market because the stock market could be down in three years, could be negative, mm-hmm. and so not a great thing to do. But employee stock purchase plan, even though this is stock, you're getting a guaranteed um, return on investment because when you make the purchase, when you invest in this, you're getting to buy shares for cheaper than what they're valued at the day that the purchase happens. So this could be a... Uh, kind of the exception to that rule where this you, you could get that guaranteed return on investment that like scott just said allows you to pick up more cash along the way as long as there's no trading window that prevents you from selling at that time so the one thing to be careful with this um, is if you have a trading window when that stock becomes available when the purchase is made you may not be able to sell it and that's where there is potentially some risk if your company stock drops after that point before you're actually able to sell anything and we're not going to dive too too more deeply into this but just to give a little color onto what uh james means by like you're you're kind of locking in almost a sure thing it's the idea that if the stock is trading at 100 and you get a 15 percent discount the company gives you the number of shares at 85 dollars a share and so if you can then turn around and sell it the same time at 100 you're just picking up the spread of that 15 dollar spread is going to be ordinary income to you. So yes. You pay taxes on it, but it's it's locked in. So that the issue would be if you don't can't sell it right away, it could go up a lot, it could go down a lot, right. and that exposes you to risks. So there's, you know, it's the closest thing there is to a a, re, a locked in rate of return. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. And this isn't something that's just available at open enrollment, like we mentioned, but um, there are typically windows that you are allowed to enter this program and you'll typically receive notice. Some do it annually. Some will do semi-annually. Some will do quarterly. It all depends on the way the document's written. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. What else? What other types of compensation or stock compensation? people might want to look at yeah so while we're on the conversation on the topic because we're looking at kind of investments um, and income you know we earlier we started with the idea of go check your 401k to see if you're meeting your contribution amounts well 
uh, if you have restricted stock units, um, I don't think we've talked about restricted stock units before in the past. Restricted stock units are, um, James is doing great at my company, so I'm gonna go give James X 100 shares of stock, and they're gonna invest over the next four years. So it's a year later, and uh, James gets 25 of his shares vested, and the moment that they vest, what happens is, is he receives that as compensation. Mm -hmm. So he just received 25 shares, and let's say they're worth $100 a share. He's got $2,500 of compensation. That's actually going to show up on your W-2 right. um, at work. And you probably elected to um, receive those shares in one of three ways. You probably, you could have, the most common that we see is what's called um, sell to cover. And so that basically means he got his 25 shares, but he has to pay taxes on a portion of those shares. So the companies, I'm just, as the company custodian, we're just gonna sell some of those shares and you know we'll let you keep 15, but we're gonna sell 10 for you. That's one way to do it. The other is um, we could sell all shares the moment you get the 25. Yep. So we just sell all 25 shares and you keep the cash that's remaining after the taxes. And then the other way that's very rare to see people do, but they'll show, you'll show up you believe so much in the company, James, that you show up with cash yep. to pay your tax bill. Yep. And you keep all 25 shares. Yeah, don't want to give away those shares. One thing to look at is just go look at, like, what did you elect to do? And then ask yourself the question, is this what I want to keep doing? Yeah. So, you know, oftentimes, many times you can go into those grants and you can change what you would like to do, mm -hmm. right? So, like, um, for instance, for you, James, like, if, if you, you know, the conversation, the way I always think of it is, James, if I can give you $2,500 today, would you like to turn around and buy the company stock? I'm going to say no, okay. as much as I believe in the company. Right, and you may have other goals that make it so you don't want to do that right now. If that's the case, you may want to go change your election to sell all shares, yeah. sell all the cash. Yep. Right? Because now you just made it so you don't have to think about right. going and doing that in the future. So what an amazing time when you're looking at employee benefits to go through and, and do that. Yeah, and that's the nice thing about this is, is is there's really not a whole lot you have to focus on with this because you either have them or you don't. It's part of your compensation package or it's not. Um, what you do need to be aware of is what happens when those shares vest. So as you have those shares that now become owned by you as a vest, all you really need to know is what's the right thing to do with them, as Scott just explained. Do you keep them? Do you sell them? Do you um, sell a portion of it to cover the taxes but keep the rest that's the important thing, and that's what ties back into your big picture plan of what do you ultimately want to use those shares for? Is it for a long-term investment? Is it for retirement? Is it for a home purchase? Is it for sending kids to college? And sometimes when you know what you want to use them for, that helps to helps you understand what the best option is for what to do when they vest. Yep. The other thing that I would add to that is with, especially with stock comp, and as you hit this open enrollment time, it's kind of the, that last quarter is coming up. That last quarter of RSUs is probably going to hit. It's a great time to go check your W-2 to see how much has been withheld for this tax year, just to get yourself in the mental frame, mental framework of you might owe more taxes than you think. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is that RSUs have a uh, withholding amount of 22% federally. So if you're in a higher tax bracket, you probably didn't withhold enough. Right. So it's just something to be thoughtful of at this time of year. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Cool, so that's RSUs. And then maybe the, the, we'll, we'll touch upon briefly also ISOs um, and non-qualified stock options. So incentive stock options. Yeah, incentive stock options and non-qualified stock options. We see, you see them less and less these days. Um, they're kind of uh, they're much more complicated than restricted stock units. Restricted stock units. When when James got the 
100 shares or the 25 vested at $100 a share, he got the whole price from zero to 100. That yep. was all his. With a stock option, there's always a, something in there called a strike price, which basically means like, hey, James, I'll give you the option to buy these shares at a dollar, mm -hmm. and now they're trading at 20. Right. So you'll get to, you'll have to worry about taxes and what you get to keep on that spread between the two. One of the things you want to look at there is just looking at things like how in the money are you? What's the time left on these options? How will it impact your income, especially if they're incentive stock options? There's so many components to it. It's kind of a, an enigma wrapped in a conundrum sometimes. So we're not going to dive too deep into it today. We can do it on another day. But it's just good to know what do you have? Do you want to be doing anything with it? And the yep. framework that I would be looking at with clients is what do you see happening for you this year and next year? Right? Because if, if you know you have a big home purchase coming next year, maybe you're going to get a big raise next year. Well, it might be a great year to look at exercising some of those options, especially if they're deep in the money. Right. So it's just something to make sure you build into your planning. And now when you're looking at your investments and your open enrollment, it can be a great time to look at that. Yeah. And, and one of the differences between the stock options and the RSUs is the RSU, restricted stock units, as long as your company stock price has value, there will be value to your RSUs when they vest. Yes. There will be they will be worth something. With stock options, they could be valueless if they're if the stock if the strike price what they were granted at if the stock price has fallen. Mm -hmm. So if I have stock options to be able to buy my company stock at ten dollars a share, but it's since fallen to seven dollars a share, I don't owe anything. I'm just not going to exercise my option to purchase it because it wouldn't benefit me. Yep. So that option would be called out of the money. Yep. And it would currently be worthless, right? Like you, you're not going to pay $10 to buy something at seven. Yeah. Yep. Right? I hope so not. That, that leverage, what you get at, which we'll get into in a different episode in the future, is there's leverage that happens with options that can't happen with RS. Right. It comes to rates of return. So when you don't have deep in the money options yet, you kind of want to let them run. Um, if you can, so that they can earn as much potential as they can. Yep, absolutely. Cool. Well, I think that's that's it for stock compensation. Anything else you want to cover on that? You know, the only thing I would add is some. You know, this is also going to be the time of year when, um, if you are a highly paid executive, uh, supplemental deferred compensation is going to exist as well, which is basically choosing to defer compensation so you can lower your tax bill now to have it in in the future. Um, and that can be a, it's a nuanced conversation as well that, that needs to be looked at in detail, but it's just something to think about. You have to ask yourselves questions about what percentage do I want to save this year? What do I maybe have going on with other stock compensation? Um, what are the deadlines to do this? Mm -hmm. Is it different for base pay versus bonus pay? There's all these various things you can look at, but if you do have that, uh, it definitely warrants a deeper dive. Yes. Thank you. Didn't mean to skip over that. That's important. Yeah. But. Cool. Well, that that's it for the stock compensation part of employee benefits. And like we said, this is something that you can really review anytime, but might as well take a look at it while you're reviewing other things. And then next week, we'll be talking about the other employee benefits that you should be checking out during this time. Yes. So stay tuned. I hope you have it. Yes. And I hope you listen. So we will see you all then. Thank you for listening to episode number 64 of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer in a future episode, then go to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there'll be a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question that Scott and I will answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.